Hey everyone, welcome to episode 83 of F-Stop Collaborate and Listen. This week's guest is Adam Mowry. Adam is a landscape and outdoor product photographer from North Carolina. Adam and I talked a lot about his journey as a photographer in the outdoor industry, and I think it's a must-listen for anyone who's looking to elevate uh, the business side of their photography. Um, On the bonus episode over on Patreon, Adam divulged all of his secrets for how to make a coffee table photography book, which is something I've been looking at doing myself. Um, Special shout out to all of our Patreon supporters and podcast producers. These amazing folks contribute at the $20 a month level or higher over on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash f-stop and listen. Michael Howard, Jack Curran, Eric Stensland, Chris Rice, Jeff Peterson, Charlotte Gibb, and Jason Matias. Thank you all so much. Enjoy the show. Well, Adam Mowry, uh, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come on to the podcast. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. Cool. Yeah. Um, you've been a longtime uh, listener, and um, you had recently connected uh, me with, um, uh, I, I'm blanking on her name, and you'll, Kelly, Kelly. I think it is. Yep. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Pursue Pictures. So I, I think it'd be cool to talk a little bit about that, but um first i kind of just wanted to give you the opportunity to talk you know a little bit about yourself like who the heck is adam mowry (laughs) (laughs) yeah who the heck is adam mowry um no man i actually uh i've been shooting now for uh roughly 20 years which i actually don't feel old enough to be shooting that long but (laughs) um you know it's funny i started my dad did photography kind of as a hobby slash part-time job when i was a kid and um when I was about 15, I actually started shooting weddings with him kind of as a second shooter. And uh, it just kind of, actually I hated photography to begin with because <laughs> he used to make me and my sister pose for him so he could practice. And I was like, this is so stupid. Um, <laughs> but, then, but then when I got to be about 14 or 15, I started hiking and backpacking and climbing and uh, just wanted a way to remember and document my trips yeah. And, um, he actually had an old Nikon 8,008 35 millimeter camera. I don't know if you remember those guys. Um, you I know, guess uh, kind of before my, like, I didn't really get into photography until digital cameras were already here. So I yeah, didn't well, ever... it's, I guess it's kind of dating myself too. Cause like, I'm not <laughs> that old, but it was like when I started shooting film was the only option. So it, it yeah. cracks me up in the town I live in. I live in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is actually a really odd place for a, outdoor photographer to live because i'm not even in the mountains but uh we make it work um but we have a lot of hipsters and you hear people in the coffee shops talking about like oh we only shoot film and i'm like you do realize it wasn't that long ago that was the only option right (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i used to live i used to live in uh portland oregon and oh yeah yeah i used to remember like all the hipsters like oh i don't i don't shoot digital that's just so like (laughs) Yeah, it's like, seriously, dude. It's like a thing now, and it's like, uh, it really wasn't that long ago. It's like, <laughs> but yeah, it's just funny to hear. But anyways, yeah. he gave me he gave me the old film camera, and I just started taking it with me when I would go on hiking trips. And uh, one thing led to another, and it was just kind of where eventually snapshots weren't good enough. And I wanted to learn, so he started teaching me. And then I always said the way I learned was uh, 
books, magazines, and a lot of bad pictures. <laughs> um, and I, I, in all honesty, I still today think if, if somebody's just learning, film is one of the better options to learn because it forces you to know what you're doing. Because every time you press the shutter, it's costing you money. And right. uh, so it is a little bit more motivating factor and you don't have the per se cheating capabilities of looking at the back of the camera and being like, Oh, that's terrible. Uh, you know, you kind of got to <laughs> wait till the film comes back. Um, well, I know mean, it's funny though, even with digital, like I'll look at photos um, and I'll be like, that looks so good. And then you get back and you're like, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Yeah, man. I have so many photos like that from my last trip out. Like I thought they yeah. looked so good in the camera and yeah. I come back and I'm like, that doesn't really look that good. What yeah, that's, the heck? that's all the images that none of us show on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, exactly. Just never make it off the, the hard drive. Um, right. And we all have them, but, uh, but yeah, so that, that was the start of it. And I actually, uh, my professional career actually started off um, shooting furniture because here in North Carolina, we have a city called High Point, North Carolina, and it's kind of known as the furniture capital of the world. It was kind of the headquarters for a ton of the big huh. furniture manufacturers. And my first dive into professional photography was working for one of the large studios here. And, um, you know, at the time we were still shooting all film and we were shooting four by five and eight by 10 view cameras huh. um, and still using hot lights. And so I was there as we transitioned from film into digital and then from hot lights into strobes and uh, I actually was miserable being stuck in a studio all the time. Like it's just depressing and dark, and oh, I was gonna ask, it's just like... kind of like, oh. <laughs> but uh, I valued that time because I was there for about three years. And um, man, what I learned just even from the lighting side of it, which uh, you know, a lot of my work currently is in the commercial realm uh, for outdoor brands, and mm -hmm. most of it's still very much natural light, but. Uh, to kind of have that solid foundation of lighting, uh, it's nice to kind of have it in your back pocket when you need it. Because if you can light a room scene with furniture, I'm telling you, you can light anything. Yeah, uh, no doubt. Because they're normally pretty complex. You know, we, we'd have sets where, you know, you're using natural light and a combination of 15 to 20 different strobes. And wow. you got to make sure all the shadows are like going the same direction and nothing looks odd. And uh, man, it was just a complex um, set up. Uh, but on the opposite side of that is after doing that for a while, you actually start to realize that as you get better, you don't actually need as much as you think you need. Uh, you mean in you terms can, of light? Yeah. As far as light yeah. goes and even equipment. I mean, I think that's one of the things about getting into the outdoor world. It's like starting to strip down your equipment and realize like, man, the more you know how to do and the more knowledge you gain, the less equipment really is that important? I mean, there are, you know, certain things that definitely help. Um, and you know, but I think a lot of people get caught up on equipment so much and it's like, man, the knowledge you have in your head is much more valuable than the equipment hanging around your neck. So, Oh, for sure. I mean, I do on the side every once in a while, I'll shoot like portraits and, you know, family photos and, uh, occasional events and weddings. And like, usually all I bring with me is a single light stand and a softbox. And yeah. A remote you can, trigger. <laughs> yeah, you can accomplish a lot with just one light. Yeah. Uh, 
Especially yeah, if you so, have natural light to work with too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And just using it to your advantage. But, um, but yeah, so after I, I ended up getting burned out being stuck in the studio and at the time, uh, there was an opportunity at the high point city fire department and, uh, it was about a $10,000 pay raise from what I was getting paid at the studio. And it was like, man, it's $10,000 more a year. I've got a guaranteed retirement. I've got insurance and I got a ton of days off and it was yeah. like, so I could kind of shoot whatever the heck I wanted to shoot and have the security of, you know, a paycheck and insurance and retirement. And so I ended up going on and I was a fireman for 13 years. And I was funny. I always say I had two full-time jobs because I actually spent more time and probably made more with photography than I did the fire department. But, uh, it was just kind of nice to have that security there. But the um, quickest way when I left the studio to make money was weddings and portraits, which again, uh, I was miserable doing, but I built a pretty decent business with it. And uh, it was, you know, like I said, I, again, I've often said, if you can shoot a wedding, you can shoot anything because weddings force you to know your equipment. Like you've got one chance to get the shot. And if you blow it, you've blown somebody's day. Yeah, uh, no So it's very a high pressured, you got to know your equipment, know how to nail the shot. Um, but you know, so did that for a while. And then unfortunately, uh, about five or six years ago, I went through a divorce and, uh, I'd always wanted to pursue the outdoor world, uh, full time, but it just kind of had always made excuses of, man, it's just, it's hard to make a living in the outdoor industry. And, uh, you know, there's so many other people out there doing it and just, you know, excuse after excuse. And then when I went through the divorce, I, uh, sat there and I was like, you know what, screw this. I am, I'm going to go for it. And, um, so I stayed at the fire department and stopped doing weddings and portraits and just went full fledged. I actually saved up my money, took a trip out to Washington state and attempted to climb Mount Rainier and shot as I went. And, um, my path to everything was I took the images from that put a portfolio together and here in North Carolina, we've got, you know, four or five decent size outdoor brands up in Asheville, which is a little mountain town. And so I took that portfolio to Asheville to, and I went door to door to every single one of those brands. And for whatever reason, every single one of them was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do some work with you. Wow. And so <laughs> I shot some jobs for each of them, took that, those images made another portfolio and then the next outdoor retailer show, which was actually the last one in Salt Lake City, uh, I went out to there and on my own dime, took that portfolio and just started pounding the different brands and um, took the portfolio and ended up and uh, gained about four or five new clients from that and then just kept snowballing from there and um, That's pushing wild. hard and back um last april left the fire department and uh sh been shooting strong ever since so that's pretty inspiring dude because uh i mean it's funny like i that's kind of how i got my start into photography too is like i would just go a lot of i'll do a lot of hiking a lot of mountain climbing and stuff like that but i never i never wanted to turn it into like a, a commercial pursuit per se just because yeah like i don't know like i didn't want to you know, mixed business and pleasure, I guess is the way to put yeah. it. Um, but, uh, man, so how do, how do you reconcile that? Like, cause I feel like, 
you know, I, I actually just the other day I was approached by a company that wanted me to like take their product and do some shoots with it. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to do that. So like, how do yeah. you, um, how do you juggle your kind of like desire to be true to kind of what you want to do with your photography with the need to actually make money? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's funny cause my, you know, my main thing is, is I look one, I mean, my very first job when I was a teenager was at an outdoor gear shop, uh, here in town. And, uh, you know, and because I was always into hiking and climbing and everything, I was always, you know, as you probably know, if you're into that world, a lot of us are gear junkies right? and, uh, you know, it's all about the, the new latest jacket or tent and everything. And so that world has always been, uh, something I was into and liked and, um, and so it's funny, like, even though the, especially shooting for the brands, you know, obviously I'm getting paid to do it, but, you know, I've always said I'm a landscape photographer at heart. And so anytime I'm out shooting for a brand and all of a sudden that sunset or that sunrise lights up, I'm usually like, guys, you got to give me like, give me five or 10 minutes and let me nail this shot. And, um, you know, if I, fi- I think if I could make a full-time living just shooting landscapes, <clears throat> I definitely would. Um, but now they, they comp complement each other. And, um, I, I don't know, I've never seen it as a, uh, either, or like a, it's a passion or a way to make a living. Like to me, every time I'm out there shooting and I'm out in the wilderness, like, I'm like, I'll, I'll look at the model or the friend that's with me. And I'm like, man, I cannot believe somebody is paying me to do this right now. <laughs> right. So it's like, I would do this for, I would do this for free. And all honestly, don't tell the brands that, but <laughs> it's like, I would shoot for free uh, or I would go out here and this is what I do for fun anyway. And really that's kind of what it was. It was like, man, how do I do the thing I love to do and figure out how to make a living at it? Uh, because of that way you don't ever feel like you're actually working. Um, you know, I've often said that, uh, you know, if I never got paid again, if I won the lottery and was a multi gazillionaire, I'd still go out and shoot because it's, it's part of who I am. It's what I love to do. Um, you know, my biggest thing is, um, when it comes down to working with brands and shooting for brands, um, my biggest thing is it, unless there's some kind of moral or integrity issue with between me and the brand where I don't agree with their moral stance on something or the way they run their business or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm good with working with them. You know, I, it may not be necessarily my favorite brand, but unless there's just something about the way they handle themselves or, uh, if they do shady business, you know, I'm not interested in working with people who are shady and, uh, take advantage of people. Um, have you ever, um, have you ever worked with a brand and and you don't obviously don't have to use names or anything, but like you, you got their product and you're like, this product kind of sucks. Like, but I guess I have to, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, that's where I'd be like, I don't want to take pictures of something I don't believe in myself. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, there's a difference between, uh, taking the photos for them to use and then you promoting it as, like if I was going on as say a, a brand ambassador, right, right, right. Um, I would not want to be a brand ambassador for a company that I just didn't like. Like like you said, they're gear shoddy, and then I'm on <laughs> Instagram or Facebook, but like this tent's awesome, and really right. like it collapsed on me in the middle of the night. That you know that to me would be um, one of those moral or integrity issues where. Sure. 
you know, if I'm just taking the pictures for them for their marketing, um, to me, that's simply a business transaction. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. That's not me out there endorsing it, saying this this thing is awesome. Because uh, I, in in all honesty, and I a lot of times one of the things I do is I'll tell the brands up front. It's like, listen, uh, I'll give you, I'm going to give you a review of this equipment because most of the brands don't want you. Uh, doing fake photo shoots anyway they want you to actually go out do a hike do a climb and use the gear and shoot it as you go right right. Um, so we're we are using this stuff and um i a lot of times will give them feedback on the equipment which so knock on wood so far all the brands i have worked with have been very open and positive towards that because most of them are not wanting to make shoddy gear most of them want to make good stuff for sure for Um, sure and if you you know, I, I've had one instance where it, we were using this tent and man, it was just getting, <laughs> I was like, I would not buy this thing. I was like, this is terrible. I was like, just like the slightest wind and this thing is collapsing. And, uh, you know, uh, I just tried to, I believe in constructive criticism, uh, and being positive and still honoring of people and companies. Uh, I think you can, you can have hard conversations and bring up, uh, things that need to change, but doing it in an honoring and kind way and, uh, and just simply saying, Hey, you know, look, we were using this thing while we were shooting and here's some of the issues we had. And, and all honesty, cause a lot of the stuff is before it ever goes to market. And so it's like, you know, if you guys are really going to put this out, you may want to look at reinforcing <laughs> this or, <laughs> right. uh, or, or changing this right. a little bit. Fix, fix, it was this, fix this leak. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, it's not working properly. Um, right. So, well, so as someone who does that kind of work full time, like how would you break down, I guess, in terms of percentages, like what you spend your time doing um, as a as a professional? Like, you know, I think everyone has it in their mind, like, oh, it's like fifty percent shooting and you know twenty percent traveling, and yeah. But what is it actually that you're spending your time doing? Well, I, the, I always say the shooting part's the easy part. Um, you know, one of the things. Uh, it's kind of funny with the whole connection with pursue pictures is Kelly had approached me cause I actually met her at outdoor retailer and the whole kind of concept behind those guys is they're wanting to help emerging photographers, people that are looking at trying to turn this into a profession. And with one of the little interviews I did with them, I made the comment. I was like, there are thousands, literally thousands of amazing photographers out there that are doing just amazing work but the reality is is 99% of them probably will never put the work into it to make it a business um the shooting part is the easy part I would say that encompasses heck maybe 30% 40% the rest of it is emails and phone conferences and going to you know the outdoor retailer show or go into the headquarters of the certain magazines or the brands and just getting in front of them. Cause one of the things I learned when I first broke into this world was, uh, you know, a lot of people like to initially make contact via email, um, which I think that's partially because people just don't want to deal with the hassle of dealing with somebody. Um, but what I've learned is business wise, if I can get them on the phone, on the phone, the chance of landing them as a client increases dramatically. Yeah. If I can get in front of them face to face, it increases way, way more. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's a lot of time of like 
just going out and going to the outdoor retailer show uh, and all that is you got to figure out how to get in. Cause like, I mean, you can buy a pass, but the pass is like 500 bucks just to get in. So then it's like, do you have any connections to try to figure out how to get there? And then you have to also be respectful of their time and realize like they're there to make sales to the retail buyers. They're not necessarily there um, to find a photographer for their next marketing campaign. Right. So, you know, if you go in with a full fledged portfolio in all honesty, they don't want to sit there for 20 minutes looking through your portfolio. So you like, you've got five minutes, get in front of them, do the little sales pitch and leave something with them that has an image or two or something on there just to kind of let them see who you are and then follow up with them later. Um, but that is the majority of the time is, is just literally hustling uh, to get business. And it does get better. You know, obviously the more you're around the industry and the more people get to know you and see you more, they start to recognize you. Um, and so that part does get a little easier as time goes on, but same thing. If you, if you stop the hustle, all of a sudden you just kind of disappear because there's somebody else waiting to jump in right behind you. Yeah. And I feel uh, like that, that whole, um, hustling thing is a, is a skill in, in itself because like, I mean, it's just something I don't feel comfortable doing. It's not because I don't, it's not like I'm incapable of it. It's because like, it just feels kind of icky to me. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? I don't well, know how, a, a better word to describe it, but it just, yeah, it doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> well, I, I think it all depends on how you approach it. Um, you know, there, the, the hustle part of it to me is, is, it's just a form of marketing for your business. Uh, I think if you're being shady about what your intentions are, uh, that is definitely icky. Right. But if you right. just show up and you and you're like, listen, I'm I'm a freelance photographer. I'd love to work with you. Um, here's what I can do. You know, if you don't mind, a couple of weeks from now, I'd like to give send you an email and just follow up and see if there's anything I can help you with. And it can be as simple as that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, if you're trying, um, I just I believe in being upfront about what you're doing. I don't like the whole kind of the guerrilla marketing of like try to weasel your way in. And then all of a sudden you're like, by the way, I want to charge you umpteen thousand dollars to do photos for you. And it's like, eh, let's just, let's just be honest up front about, you know, I'm here cause I'm trying to earn a living. You know, this is what I do. I can offer you my services if you're interested. And the same thing, sometimes you'll have people that'll say, you know, look, we're not interested. And to me, it's like, well, in that case, don't push it. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. if they're not interested in, you know, some of the brands have shooters that are people they've worked with for years. And like, I can respect that because it's like, man, if I had a brand that I've shot for, I would hope they would honor that relationship with me. Right. And I totally get that when they've got other shooters that they've worked with forever. And, uh, you know, I think part of it is just simply being a good, decent, nice person. Um, yeah. And in the outdoor world as a whole, you know, it, most people, even in the brands, um, are just good people, you know, overall that industry, um, you know, the outdoor, outdoor people in general typically are just good people trying to have a good time. Um, you know, there's the few jerks here and there, but that's very few and far between. Um, and those are kind of the ones where you're like, all right, if you act that way, then I'm, I'm not really interested in working with you anyway, because, um, I would rather work with good people. Right. How do you how do you compete against those thousands of photographers that uh, 
are perfectly content with um, like going out and like use, you know, taking a photo of like themselves with that brand of gear on and then putting it on Instagram or Facebook and using a hashtag and like getting exposure. Like there's a lot of people out there that do that. And I think brands are starting to capitalize on, on people just wanting that kind of exposure. And how do you, how do you compete against that? That is in all honesty, probably the biggest challenge. Um, I cannot tell you how many times in talks with brands, uh, when it comes down to talking about doing a shoot where the brand will say, well, um, we just really work on gear trade. And my response is usually is like, well, I can appreciate that, but you know, obviously I'm a professional photographer and I cannot run a business or support a family off of gear trade. Um, (laughs) so, you know, I think you just got to be respectful in how you handle it and realize like, you know, the brands are too, they're trying to save money as well and trying to keep their bottom line at a certain level. Um, and in all honesty, there are some of these guys out there that are, you know, you're 20 something year olds, 30 something year olds that are living in the back of a van, just going around to all these amazing spots that, you know, if the brand says, Hey, we'll give you a, $300 Gore-Tex jacket for that shot. They're like, okay, yeah, (laughs) I'm in, you know? And, and in all honesty, a lot of these guys are, they're good shooters. Uh, you know, it's like, you, you can't, you look at their work and you're like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's awesome shots. Um, the, the frustrating part for me is, is like, I'm just like, dude, one of these days you're not going to want to live in your van anymore. You're going to want to have a home. You're probably going to want a family. And then when you go back to that brand and be like, hey, now I need to charge you, they're going to be like, well, you've never charged us before. And they're probably not going to work with you. Um, my biggest thing, I think, is, is part of the role of a, a photographer in general is to educate your clients of like why you pay for a professional. Um, you know, in, in, in all honesty, the whole idea of living in the back of a van and everything actually to me seems somewhat appealing. <laughs> I'm like, sure. I, I could handle that in a sprinter van, just going around to these awesome spots, hiking and climb. I was like, that seems kind of fun actually, but I'm married. I've got uh, three boys. And so that's not an option. And, um, but you know, I think the biggest thing, what you have to do is educate your clients that they're not just paying for the photography. They're paying for professionalism. They're paying for me that when I tell you, I'm going to send you a hundred files that are all usable. I'm going to send you a hundred files that are all usable. If I tell you, you're going to have the files by this date, you're going to have them by this date. Right. Um, if you email me, I'm going to email you back in a timely manner. Um, and that's all of what they pay for. Cause I, like I had one brand that was like, well, we get a lot of our content from our athletes. And I just was like, well, how does that, how does that work for you? And they're like, well, in all honesty, like if they send us a thousand files, like we maybe got five or 10 of them that we can actually use. And I'm like, well, that's why you hire somebody like me. Like I do this for a living. If I send you a thousand files, all thousand of them are usable. If they're not usable, you're not going to see them because I'm not going to send them that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's part of it. It's just educating the clients. And it is, I mean, it's a constant hustle uh, of, cause you have, uh, there are some brands out there that just simply that's all they'll do. Uh, I mean, I not mentioning names. I had, this is one of the brands where I was like, I will not work with you, <laughs> but they were, they, they were like, um, 
first off, we don't pay for content. Second of all, we don't do gear trade for content. Uh, people give us content because they love us. And I was like, so basically you want somebody to work for free mm-hmm. is what you're saying. And I was like, uh, yeah, if that's the way you do things, like you're taking advantage of people and I'm not okay with that. Um, I'm all for, you know, I understand businesses have bottom lines that they got to keep. And I understand that, you know, there's negotiation that goes on, but when you're basically wanting people, uh, who have a job, it's like, you're not giving your gear away for free. So why would you expect somebody who does a living as a photographer to give their work away for free? Um, you know, I've seen this, uh, this kind of debate pop up all the time, especially around like, you know, portrait work and things like that. But it's like, isn't some of the problem, um, doesn't some of the problem rest with photographers and that people, there's so many people out there that are just uh, giving their work away for free and don't, don't oh, understand yeah. the value of their work. And, yep. but then it, we are definitely our worst enemies. That is for sure. I guess I've, you know, I've seen the counter argument to that where people are like, well, who are you to say that I should charge somebody for my photos? And it's like, you don't understand, like you're actually, having a negative impact on people that rely on that income to make a a living. Yeah. Yeah. And, but you know, I think that is, uh, cause then now you're getting into like the whole, uh, almost psychological thing of dealing with people. And it's like, man, at the end of the day is if you're shooting and you want to give your images away for a free jacket, I mean, I guess technically that's your right. Um, you know, I think if you, (laughs) If you try to, I would hope you would look at the the bigger picture and realize that there are people that do this for a living and uh, you actually are having a negative impact. Um, I mean, I think it's almost the same thing as like the whole debate on should photographers tell people where they shot the image because of people show up and they're going to damage the area. And that's like, you know, I, I see things both ways. It's like on one thing, it's just like, well, you're telling them I'm not going to tell you where it's at, but yet you were there. Like you showed up there. So it's like, are, are you still part of the problem? And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's each person has to make their own, I guess, decision on how they want to, what they want to do with their photos, what they want to do with the areas they go. Um, I just think personally for me, I try to look at the bigger picture and think of not just myself. It's like, there's something bigger than me. There's other people out there that are doing, doing business as well. Um, There's places that I want to see protected at the same time. And it's like, you know, trying to juggle that out. And I think that partially is what we're all doing. And, and I also get it. Like if you're trying to break into the industry and you don't have anything to show, like, I'm not against you saying like, look, let me, let me shoot for going to the brand and saying, let me do a shoot for you for free. And so you can see what I can do. And it gives you a portfolio. I can understand that too. Uh, And I think a lot of times that's what people are doing is they're like, I just got to do something just to get a portfolio to actually be able to show people. Um, Cause in all honesty, like most people don't have the money to go out and shell out, you know, outdoor, outdoor equipment is expensive. So it's like, if you wanted to shoot for Patagonia and it's like, well, I'm just going to go, um, shoot a bunch of stuff and send it to them. It's like, well, 
if you don't have all that stuff, you could drop easily a grand or more on buying a setup to put your model in. And it's like, if you don't have it, you're like, you know, I could understand like where they're like, Hey guys, could you just like, let me shoot a shoot for free. And which Patagonia, I don't think would do that. Cause they're one of the big brands that actually are pretty good with how they treat their photographers. But, um, you know, I, I, I see both sides mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I try to be understanding of both sides, but you know, when I meet the people that are living in the van that are shooting it for the gear, same thing. I try to be honorable and respectful in the conversation with them and educate them of like, dude, this is why you charge. Like you may, you may can just do it and get a free jacket, but if you're good enough that the brand wants your image, that means you're good enough. They'll pay for it. So why would you not charge for it? You know, it's, it's not a shady, like for some reason, especially even in like the landscape world, it's like, People feel like because that's their art form, it's shady to ask money for it. And I was like, <laughs> look, if you want to do this for a living, like you have to earn money. Like if you want to keep doing it and there's nothing wrong with that, you're providing a product um, for somebody's consumption for either their enjoyment or on the brand side of it. It's like, look, they're taking your images and they're making money off of them because they're selling a product and there's nothing wrong with you getting paid to help them do that. Absolutely. (laughs) But I think that's the biggest thing is just, it's you're constantly in, at least in the outdoor world, especially you're educating both the brands and the people out there that are doing it for free and saying, look, if you, if you're good enough that the brands are wanting your images, there's no reason you shouldn't charge for that because it's, it, it, they, they see a value Mm -hmm. in it. And if they see a value in it, then it's okay to make a living at it. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm always surprised too at how many companies that I've tried to talk to tell me like, well, we don't have a, we don't have a photography budget. So are you, could, could you maybe just donate some, some images to us? It's like, you guys have like a, especially nonprofits, like they're the worst. And, and I, and I work for, I've worked for nonprofits my whole life. So like I can say these things, um, like, you are a multi-million dollar corporation. Um, you yeah. should have a photography budget. If, if you're planning on doing any marketing whatsoever, it should be yeah. something that you budget for. <laughs> well, and one of the things I often will bring up too, is like, if you look at the big brands of the world, your uh, Nike, your Budweiser, your Coca-Cola, you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that they have as a marketing budget every year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I talk when I talk to, especially the smaller brands, I'm like in the outdoor world, you've got Patagonia, North face, black diamond, these huge brands. And I'm like, they all have budgets for marketing and photography. And it's like, there's a reason they're as big as they are because they've put the time and the money into building something. And it's like, if you're happy staying small, the, Hey, that's cool. That's if that's what you want to do, go for it. But if like, if you're actually wanting to build your brand, it costs money to do that. And it's the same thing with the, the being a photographer. Like if you want to build a business, it takes time and money to do that. And that's part of the deal. And it's like, if you keep shooting, like most of your big brands in the outdoor industry and commercially in general, they're not taking images for free from 
some dude living in a van and be like, well, hey, we'll give you a year supply of Coke if you'll do a campaign for us. Coca-Cola would never do that. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, they, they would never do it. They want to hire somebody they know is going to get the job done. And um, so, I, I, again, I think that's just part of the education. Um, I think that's just a big part of the business now is educating people and realize that sometimes you are just going to lose out on certain jobs because they just want it for free. and you know, to me, that's kind of one of those integrity issues that I try to stay clear of. Cause it's like, you know, I don't come to you asking you to give your product away for right. free. Uh, and I wouldn't expect you to like you, you're running a business and you've got employees that have families. Um, and that's part of, um, you know, how business is done and there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if you're charging exuberant prices for something that's not really worth it, that's another, that's another thing. But, um, you know, if you're charging a fair price for what you're doing, uh, I think it's not wrong to ask the same thing. So as, as someone who's doing this full time for their own business, like I'm assuming that you also spend some money, uh, on marketing. What is that? look like for someone that's doing kind of product shoots and more, I guess, for lack of a better term, it's, you know, outdoor gear, product photography. Yeah. Um, you know, the, some of the big things is obviously having a decent portfolio, which is not cheap because uh, you want one that has impact. Um, you know, I typically try to do a uh, like a postcard type six by nine card every year that like when I go to outdoor retailer, I take those with me and those basically are like a, uh, just a quick, you know, anywhere from one to say five images on the card that I can leave with them that within a quick glance, they can see the work and know like either, mm -hmm. yes, he's worth our time or yeah, we're not interested. Um, and then I also, and it's funny because I actually put a calendar out. I started uh, last year doing a calendar and getting ready to come out with the calendar for 2019. It's all actually landscape work. It's no brands at all, but the landscape side, you know, I do make money from it, but that's really my passion side. And it's kind of like the um, personal work, which a lot of commercial people like to see people's personal work and in the outdoor world that that translates really well because it's all outdoor anyway and um i cannot tell you the the calendars are not cheap to do i've actually had a really good deal worked out with the press that does them but um one of the things about the calendar is i cannot tell you like i'll take them to outdoor retailer and hand them out uh to the brands like hey here's my calendar for 2018 just wanted to drop it off to you and i cannot tell you how many times like i've emailed or called one of them and then be like oh man yeah we're sitting here looking at your calendar right now it's on my it's on my desk and it's like that's exactly what you want you want your work and your name in front of them without you pestering the heck out of them um uh -huh. and most of them huh. can appreciate a calendar because they can you know they're they're big enough that they can write in appointments and uh, make notes on and all that. Um, so the, actually the calendar has probably been my best marketing tool to date. Um, I also have a coffee table book, uh, that I produced and, um, we are currently in the coffee table books, actually all landscape work. And, um, that actually turned into, so I, I did a show called art expo up in New York. Um, I've done it the last two years. And the, the first year I did it, um, 
I showed all landscape work from Iceland and I had these two girls come by, bought my coffee table book, handed me a business card and they're like, Hey, we'll be in touch. And they walked off and I look at the business card and it says, uh, United States state department. And I'm like, oh, I'm shit. like, okay, I've paid my taxes. Uh, what, is, like, <laughs> what, what the heck does the State Department want with me? And uh, so literally a week later, I get a phone call and it's one of the girls and she goes, so uh, we are looking um, for a, uh, a, a book that is all the American landscape that anytime the president or a senator or a congressman or anybody that meets another foreign dignitary, uh, they always exchange gifts. Uh, and oh, wow. they're like, would you be interested? Cause the book I currently have has things from Canada, Iceland, you know, it's not just America. And she's like, would you be willing to put together a book for us? That's just the American landscape. And we'll buy it as one of the gifts that they can, because they, I guess they have options that they can choose from what they're going to give to the dignitary. And um, they're like, would you be willing to do a book um, of just the American landscape? And uh, I was like, uh, yes, yes, I would. <laughs> and, uh, let, me, let me think about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so we have been um, for the last, because putting a book together, is, it's just a ton of work. So the last uh, year have been laying that out and uh, hopefully we'll be getting that going to print, hopefully. And I'm hoping in the next couple of months. So, um, which is huge. Um, but it was one of those like random events. Um you know, that like going to the shows like that. I mean, the show is for the landscape side of my business. That was part of the marketing. It was like art expo was not cheap. <laughs> so, you know, you're staying up in New York for like four or five days and you got to pay to go to the show. Um, but it's like just putting your work out in front of as many people as possible. And um, cause that is a, the landscape stuff is a big part of the business. So, uh, you know, I, hmm. uh, do quite a bit of print sales, which is funny. My print sales is not necessarily through me. I got hooked up with um, being here in High Point, the furniture capital of the world. Um, every time they have the furniture market, there is one of the largest uh, art wholesalers in the country shows there. And I literally took my coffee table book to their showroom and they would not let it was so funny. They wouldn't let me in. <laughs> and so they're uh they're I said, Well, do you mind if like is your art buyer here and would he be willing to just talk to me just for a couple of minutes? And so they went, brought him to the front, and he come up there and I, and I just same thing. I was just like, Listen, I said, I'm a freelance photographer, I do uh, landscape work, uh, on top of brand work. And I said, I just wanted to stop by and see, uh, you know, if you guys are taking on any new artists. Uh, and I had the book and he's like, well, let me look at your book. So he flips through it in like 10 seconds, hands me the book back and goes, yeah, we're not interested and turns around and starts to walk off. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> I was like, that's like demoralizing. And then all of a sudden he whips around. He goes, dude, I'm just messing with you. He's like, come on in. <laughs> and I was like, oh, dude, don't do that to me. <laughs> I was like, uh, I'm not an overly insecure person, but I was like, man, I was like, it took you 10 seconds to be like, you suck. I'm not, I'm not interested. Um, <laughs> but so I ended up and signed a contract with them, uh, a day later. And, um, the way they work is basically, uh, you know, anytime you see Pottery Barn or Neiman Marcus or your like kind of your high end retailers, the the work you see for sale from them as art wall art, they buy from Left Bank and then Left Bank gets from people like me, and um, 
it has been a phenomenal deal because literally I, you know, obviously I have to go out and do the work as far as shooting and editing and then sending them files. But then once they say, yes, we want that file, then from that point, I don't do anything else. They do all the printing, the marketing, the shipping. I just get a royalty check every month. And um, it has been uh, kind of nice. It's, it's, it's a different take on, you know, I'm not selling limited edition prints, which I do have some prints of my own that Left Bank does not have that uh, I do sell as limited mm-hmm. edition. Um, but in all honesty, it's like, man, that has been just a phenomenal, and they're great to work with. They pay on time, which is amazing. Um, and they're just, they're, they, they're a good company to work with and they're good people. Yeah. So let's, um, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, um, pursue pictures. Um, so maybe take a few minutes to tell us what is pursue pictures and then how did you get involved with them? And then what are you doing with them? Yeah, so uh, Pursue Pictures basically is a website that was created kind of with the thought behind it of um, helping emerging photographers kind of get some exposure, um, get connected within a community to kind of like figure out like, man, how does this work? Like, how do we actually give this a go if this is what we're wanting to do? And um, so basically what they have done is they create a monthly contest. Um, and usually if you're the grand prize winner, like the, the winnings is like 2,500 bucks, which is, you know, that's, that's not a bad deal. Um, and then I think if I'm not mistaken, at the end of the year, they'll do one big contest. Uh, Kelly's going to kill me if I miss, if I misquote this, but. <laughs> oh, so I, I can actually, uh, so, cause I just, um, I actually just submitted a photo awesome. to the fall colors one. Um, it's a uh, $10,000. Um, but it's like an extra, I think you have to s- spend an extra 20 bucks to have it included in that like annual contest. Yeah. 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 But if you think about it, 20 bucks for the chance to potentially win 10 grand, um, that's a, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and it is, you know, I, I, so basically long story short, I got connected with Kelly, uh, yeah. at outdoor retailer. Uh, it's one of those, you know, you're out there trying to get work and <laughs> funny. It was actually just a random, uh, I was signing in to get my pass to get in. And she happened to be at the little, you know, iPad sign in thing next to me and just started talking. And one thing led to another and she ended up and was like, you know, you were like kind of my story of, you know, going professional and uh, shooting full time now. She's like, you would be like the ideal candidate for a judge for us because you can kind of tell this story of like what it looks like to transition mm-hmm. into shooting full time. And um, and so I was the judge for last month's um, competition, which was the great outdoors um, and had a ton of like really good submissions Um, there were some that needed a little work in all honesty, um, but we're all, we're all works in progress. Um, and then through that, we ended up and, uh, Kelly just asked me if I'd be willing to come on board kind of as a, uh, a regular judge for the competition. And then from there, we've kind of started to bring in other judges that are top tier shooters and people within the industry. So like, um, this month, 
will end up with, uh, I'll be one of the judges, and then um, Josh Snow, which I think uh, was a former um, podcast guy with you. Yep. Uh, I think it was one of your first, he's one of the judges, and then a girl out of Canada, Victoria Hack. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I don't know if you're familiar with her work. I am. She's, uh, she, uh, I really like her stuff. Yeah. She is fantastic. Uh, so she's, we are the three for this month, uh, which is fall adventures. And the whole idea behind this one was uh, whether it's a landscape or even if it incorporates people, um, the whole idea is people getting out and enjoying this transition and season. Cause I don't know. For me, as a, as an outdoor photographer, like fall to me is like the best season. Like I love it. Absolutely. Um, me too. So <laughs> it's like the best, most comfortable weather to be out in. It's pretty. Uh, you know, you out there in Colorado, like the, when the aspens light up yellow, man, it's hard yeah, to beat dude. that. Uh, and in all honesty, me me being here on the East Coast, like fall for us is like we've got all the colors. Um, but sometimes, like, actually, one of the images that, that Pursue has used of mine to kind of promote everything was a, a brand shoot I actually did in Scotland for Danner Boots. And it's one of those, like, not all fall adventures include orange and yellow and red leaves, <laughs> right. but, you know. And so I encourage people to kind of look outside the box and, like, you know, if, it, if it's in fall, like, it doesn't have to necessarily be the stereotypical um, – fall color shot um but yeah so the main thing my role with pursue has been as a judge to kind of review uh the images as they come in and help pick the the winners and it's nice now like last last month i was on my own i did it by myself and then this coming up month it's nice to have josh and victoria coming in um and actually kind of build that community with those guys and kind of hear feedback on why they like certain images opposed to other. Cause uh, you know, my style compared to their style and each of each, all of our styles are completely different. Uh, uh-huh. And I think that's awesome. Um, Cause that's one of the biggest things is, is like, man, like, you know, it, it, I, I had a, a photographer friend the other day was like put out on Facebook. They're like, does anybody even like my pictures? <laughs> I was like, that's not really the question to ask. Like the question to ask is, are you happy with the pictures you're taking? And if not, then strive to do better. But everybody else's opinions vary so much that it's like, it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah. And people <laughs> can be so downright nasty. And it's like, man, it was like, if you don't like somebody's style of shooting, like I, that's, that's your opinion. But like, dude, you can be a little bit nicer, <laughs> like how you handle that. Like, it's just, man, with the second you put an image out there for the public, it's like, there are trolls out there that just will brutalize you. And well, uh, I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple of sides to that too. I mean, um, I feel like if the feedback that you're getting is actually like, you know, it's presented in a thoughtful way. Yeah. Um, I feel like you, people should have thicker skins and try to oh, understand absolutely. like what, what it is people are trying to give them feedback on. Cause I feel like a lot of times that's the, the best way we can improve. Like yeah. if that, if that person didn't like something about that photo, like their chances are, there's going to be a lot of other people too. Yeah. Um, and why, why wouldn't you want to try to make what you're doing better? Yeah. Like, that's the way I look at it. Absolutely. Um, well, I, I, my, my take is, is when it comes to, 
I, I agree wholeheartedly. People definitely need thicker skin. We live in a world now where everybody has their emotions on their sleeve. And it's like, I'm a firm believer of like trying to be a humble person. And to me, humility, one of the ways it looks is if somebody comes up to you and says something you don't like or criticizes your image, whether how they say it or what they say, to be humble to me means you look at that and say, is there any chance that what they're saying could be true? And if it is, then you need to change it. Um, yeah. But on the same sense, I also want to be the type of person that if I see something that I don't like, uh, if I'm going to approach you about this image that I think could be better, I'm going to try to be honoring and at least constructively critical of how I approach it to hopefully inspire you to become better and not just right. simply try to tear you down. Um, I don't think tearing- yeah, the, the other day I did a little experiment on Instagram. I posted a photo and I was basically told people like, help me improve and rip this image apart. Like, what do you like? What do you not like? And I got tons and tons of comments like, you know, and most of it was pretty useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, I think th- to me, I believe in just having a spirit of excellence in what you do. And I think that to have that, that means you have to be willing to constantly improve and get better and listen to other people's opinions. Um, but I also think that part of that is like, if you, if you're an overly insecure or emotional person, it's like, you can't let the emotions and the insecurity inform you. You actually have to take what someone else says or your you're in even being critical of your own work and actually constructively look at it and say, all right, like it hurts maybe that this person is like, dude, your composition is terrible. It's like, well, (laughs) it actually is true. (laughs) And you know, so whether you like what they said or not, uh, take that and be like, all right, well, how do I make the composition better? Uh, or how do I, whatever, make this better? Um, so I, I agree that I think it goes both ways. I think it's just, uh, in general, I, I think people need to be a little more kinder in how they approach it. I don't, I don't say that to say if an image is terrible, I don't think <laughs> I mean, you should lie about it and be like, oh yeah, this thing's great. It's like, well, actually, no, uh, it's not very good at all. Um, but here's some suggestions on how to make it better opposed to just being like, dude, you suck, <laughs> you know? Um, right. And then I think on the same sense from the, from a photographer standpoint, if somebody does go on there on my page and like, dude, your images suck, then I think I need to have a little bit thicker skin and say, is there any chance that maybe I do suck? <laughs> maybe I need to try to get a little bit better. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not easy. And I think like you said, uh, a lot of it has to do with ego and like people love to get the praise, but they don't like to get the, yeah. the negative comments in a, I don't know, like it's, well, it's hard uh, to be on both sides. Yeah. That, and we all that. have room for improvement. I mean, even if you're, uh, you know, heck, if you're Art Wolf or Peter Lick or somebody out there who's considered successful in the world, like there's always room for improvement. And, you know, I remember when I was a kid, I played sports and like my dad would always tell me, he's he like, son, no matter how good you get at anything, just remember there's somebody else out there better. And he, Absolutely. And he wasn't saying that to like, you know, be like down on me or anything. He was just simply saying, you know, stay humble and realize like there's always room for improvement. There's always somebody else out there better. And 
don't get arrogant and cocky thinking you're God's gift to whatever, like somebody out there is doing better than you are and that's okay. Guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, well, so, uh, for the pursuit pictures, like if you ever need a judge, let me know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what are some of the, what are some of the common, common mistakes that you've seen as a judge, like in terms of what t- the images that people are submitting? Well, the biggest, actually, actually, it was very informative for me actually as a photographer doing the judging the first time. Cause after going through like four or 500 submissions, all of a sudden you're like, you kind of see commonalities of issues and composition is actually probably the biggest issue. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of people just really struggle with getting good compositions um, and not partially. I think maybe they don't even fully know like what their subject is. So it's like, it's just, you know, it's like they're in the mountains. It's like, well, it's really pretty. So they just kind of snap a picture of the mountain. It's like, well, yeah, but what is the actual, is the mountain the subject? Is the, right? you know, what, what, it, what are you trying to say through that image? And uh, it's overall a general lack of composition was one of the biggest issues. Um, mm-hmm. Exposure was a big one. Uh, you know, you get a lot of um, sunset shots where uh, the, it's simply just exposed for the sunset and the image, everything else is just like completely silhouetted in black. And don't get me wrong. There's some images that that actually works. Um, sure. but, but not usually in a landscape. No, not, not usually. Um, so I'd say exposure composition. And then two, as far as submitting to a, uh, competition, making sure that what you submit is relevant to what the competition is. Cause like, Oh, I know. Isn't that oh, the worst? Like some of them like, I would look at and I'd be like, you do realize the name of this competition was the great outdoors. And it's like, what the heck is this? It's like a, a photo of a, a, a portrait of a kid in a wagon or something that, that wasn't one of them, but it was like something to that level. And I'm like, other than the fact that the kids in the outdoors, like outside, <laughs> like it is not relevant at all to the actual competition. So it's like, man, if you're going to submit uh, to a competition, like just make sure you actually submit a photo that is relevant to the subject of the, the competition itself. Um, right. But you know, the technical side of it, it, the biggest thing was just composition. A lot of times, I think, um, well, I think one of the things is nowadays with, you know, especially consumer grade and even professional grade cameras are at price points where a ton of people go out and buy these nice cameras. And then they think because they have a nice camera, all of a sudden they're a photographer and they don't actually realize like to get a good image actually requires quite a bit of effort and knowledge and know-how to produce. Um, it's not as simple as just going out and pointing it at a pretty scene and pressing the shutter with the camera on auto and being like, Oh yeah, this is one I want to hang up on my wall. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things I was curious about, um, um, how are they like, do they compensate you as judges? No, uh, there, there has not been any compos- uh, well, I'm, <laughs> compensation. My, my mind is not working. Um, I looked at it from the standpoint of um, when Kelly approached me, uh, it's one of those, 
I, one of the things I had been wanting to do for a while with my business is begin to kind of grow it to the point of, um, because being on the East coast, I feel a little disconnected from the rest of the outdoor community just because like most of the other shooters are all out West. And, um, you know, honestly, when you, when you reach out to other shooters to try to connect with them, if you've not, if you have no, no context for it, you're just some random person. And so part of, I looked at it for me is like starting to kind of hopefully get a little bit of, uh, established within the community and the network of photographers so that I can all honestly just network and get to know other people, which like at this point, like getting connected with uh, Josh and Victoria. And that's one of the things I had hoped for is just to be able to get to know other people within the industry Mm -hmm. uh, because I'm not out West where almost everybody else is at. Um, And so for me, that was, and I think that's, you can even go back to that point of like with the brands and like, what you charge for and people that shoot stuff for free. And I think like running a business, you actually have to kind of look at the long game and realize like sometimes there are other things that are valuable other than just making money. Um, Sometimes just getting to know other people in the industry and the networking and stuff is just as valuable um, as, as sometimes you would like, for instance, like this, it's like, I'm not really interested whether I get paid or not. Like my main thing is like, hopefully I can get to know other people and get connected with people. Right. This it way. definitely can, can um, lead to other opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and plus it was an opportunity for me. Uh, I liked pursue pictures kind of ethos of like helping emerging photographers. And that was one of the things I really have been interested in is like, just encouraging people to be like, man, like if this is your dream, like go for it, like stop making excuses, which is what I did. I made excuses <laughs> like over and over. And like, if you want this bad enough, then man, put the work in and go for it and realize you actually also don't have to have everything you think you have to have to make a go at it. Like, I mean, I've got a wife and three kids, so it's like, you know, I've got a lot of financial responsibility with them. Um, and so it was like, you know, when I left the fire department, it was a little bit of a, like, Oh God, like <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, on the same sense, like if you know, this is what you're supposed to be doing and what you want to do, uh, then you just kind of, it's like, well, I'm just going to put, I'm going to work my butt off and, and make it happen. Um, and I, and I don't advise people just to go out and quit their jobs and right. like just, but you know, I took, I took several years of establishing myself uh, with brands and shooting for brands and stuff while I was still at the fire department and still had that security and, you know, built it to the point of where finally it was like, all right, money wise, time wise, like a decision has to be made now. Like it's getting to the point where it's, I can't juggle both. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so with pursue, it was like, I just love their idea of trying to, to be a voice for emergency emerging photographers. And that's something I've been wanting to do as well of just being an encouraging voice out there to help people start. If this is your dream, then man, uh, hopefully my story and 
what I've done with my business and everything is encouraging enough to help people kind of be motivated to go out. Cause I'm a firm believer. Like I, I had, I actually hadn't done it in a while and I probably should pick it back up, but I had started a thing on my Instagram where I did, it's just called hashtag champion your peers. Hmm. And the whole idea behind it was, is I would do an Instagram story and I would bring up another photographer, um, that, either has been successful in business or just out doing amazing work. And the whole idea behind it was like, man, let's stop viewing each other as competition and realize there is enough business out there for all of us. And we're better together than we are against each other. And the whole concept behind doing it is like, here's uh, me doing an Instagram post and it's not, Hey, let's look at Adam Mowry's work. It's Hey, let's go check out, um, you know, whoever's yeah, work yeah. this week because they're a phenomenal photographer. They've been successful. Uh, and I think that's worth champion. I mean, you've got guys like Chris Burkhard who has got 3.1 million followers on Instagram, which, you know, that's a whole nother thing as, <laughs> as far as the Instagram following goes, but the guy is a phenomenal photographer. He's a good guy. And it's like, man, he's, he's created a heck of a business for himself and that's worth acknowledging, you know? Um, and I think, I, I just think it's, it's better to encourage each other. And, uh, like I said, I think we're better together than we are against each other. Uh, and that, that's even coming down to the whole thing with the money, uh, as far as the brands go. And even, um, the art side of it, it's like, man, uh, part of the reason people give work away for free is they just don't know any better sometimes and they don't know what to charge. And it's like, if we're all afraid to talk about the money side of things, then yeah, you've got the few jerks out there that will try to undercut you. But if we all come together as a whole and like, like let's set a standard of like, this is, this is the average rate of what you should charge between this and this. And based on your experience level and your abilities you decide within that where you should fall. Um, you know, if we could all like kind of come to a, a gather like that, I think the industry as a whole would benefit way better than us just being all secretive and. Oh, totally. No, I, I love, I love the idea of uh, championing your peers. I think that's a great idea. I mean, that's part of why I do the podcast too, is like, I want to get, you know, I want to ex- expose the world to some of especially some of these people that may maybe people have never heard of before i think that's one of the cool things that i get to do on the podcast so um yeah well and that's the thing it's like nowadays like you know it's it's funny with the whole instagram and social media and it's like man there's some amazing photographers out there that don't have a hundred thousand followers i mean i don't have i've got i think i've got like 90 500 followers maybe on Instagram right. and it's like we've put so much clout into uh people who have these huge followings and don't get me wrong a lot of them are phenomenal f- photographers and a lot of them are uh, <laughs> yeah and there's a lot that are not they're terrible in all honesty but it's like um the defining factor of whether they're a good shooter or even run a good business or a good person is not how many followers they have um, but on the same sense, the, the flip side of that is like from a business standpoint, especially when you're dealing with brands, um, you know, a lot of brands do want to leverage your social media following. They, they look at it as a marketing platform. And that to me is one of those where you do have to start looking at, um, 
do you agree with the brand and is it gear that you can stand behind? Because if they're saying, Hey, we'll hire you to do our shoot. Um, but part of that hiring is we need you to do X amount of posts that you tag us in and X amount of stories. Um, and it's like, well, I'm not opposed to that. If I would stand behind your gear, like if it's gear that I actually use and I like, and, uh, don't mind my name being associated with and yeah, I'm cool with that. But like, if it's not like if it's, if it's junk that I would not actually promote, then I'm not doing right. that. Um, I think that's where the integrity side has to come in. Um, yeah. but in all honesty, it's like, man, if you've got a top tier brand that makes good stuff and I'm bidding on a job and another photographer that say we're of equal caliber, and in, in what we produce and I've got 9,500 followers and he's got a hundred thousand followers more than likely he's probably going to get the job because the brand is looking Which at is that. sad because they really uh, should be looking at engagement and engagement ratios instead of. Well, and they, they do to a level. Um, but I think it's one of those, I think where I get a little frustrated with like, Obviously, if if they're if you're equal caliber shooters, I mean that's a it's a moot point. But if if a brand is hiring a shooter just simply because of his social media following or uh, the amount of engagement he gets, but not necessarily the quality of his work, I struggle with that a little bit because I'm like, man, I was like, you know, you got shooters that maybe don't have a ton of following and everything, but man, they are phenomenal shooters. Yeah. Like, give the give the guy a chance right, for crying right, out right. loud. Well, I had I had um. Not to go back, but I wanted to ask you one more question about the judging process um, yeah. for uh, Pursuit Pictures. So now that you guys have multiple judges, like how are you guys going to sort out your differences of opinion? Like, are you guys basically all going to go through all the same images and then kind of score them based on a, some criteria, or like how kind of how you guys sorted out how that's going to work? Yeah. So the what the platform they kind of use on the back end. Um, each judge can go in, see all the submissions and basically can go through and like give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And then you can add like a little comment to the photo. So you, that it's just seen between judges. So like you, if you give one a thumbs up, then you can kind of put like a quick note of like, here's why I gave it a thumbs up. Um, and then once we kind of cull down um, everybody's thumbs up, uh, we'll end up doing probably a video conference uh, with all three of us where we'll, we'll go through those remaining images and um, come to agreement on overall, this is the strongest image or advice. Versa. Okay. So there's no like scoring it between like 60 and a hundred or any, any system like that. No, not really. It's, it's pretty, uh, pretty, pretty simple. It's a thumbs up, thumbs down, Add, add a note. Um, I'm trying to remember. There's one other option on the platform. And I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's a fairly simple thing. And then you can go in and like, so I can go in and see an image and see if Josh gave it a thumbs up, see if Victoria gave it a thumbs up. And so basically what would end up happening is probably what we'll do is call it down to the images that everybody, they got three thumbs up. And then from there, do a video conference where we can kind of 
go from there and select out of those. And then each of us kind of explain like, this is why I would select this image over this one. Uh, and I like the fact of having more judges just for the fact of, uh, you know, you do hear different of opinions of things. And I think it actually helps stretch you as a judge as well and realize like, you know, my opinion on this actually could be wrong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, and there's also, there's always a level of accountability when you have somebody else involved too. For sure. Yeah. One of the things that I've been kind of hoping for, and I'm sure it exists somewhere, but uh, I think it would be really interesting to have a competition where um, you had maybe a panel of five to 10 judges, which is a lot, but um, make it to yeah. where, you know, like each image is like, I don't know, 10, $15 to submit. Um, and then like part of what you're paying for is like feedback on like you have a score, like you scored a 73 out of a hundred and then like feedback as yeah. to like, here's what we would have, here's how it could have been scored higher if you would have done these things. I think, I think yeah. that's what people really crave nowadays is like, yeah, actually, I think that's a I think that's a brilliant idea. That might be something we need to talk to Kelly about. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that is actually a great idea because, in all honesty, with even with like Pursue Pictures and their whole concept, um, I think that is something that would be beneficial. Of like, here is your ranking, and here's why, and what you could do to improve it. Um, because I think people do need to hear that because it's the same thing like we were talking about earlier. If nobody is telling you that it's bad, then you may not actually know that it's bad and in turn never actually get better. Right, and, the, and you don't know, um, like, all you know is that you didn't get picked. Like, you don't know, like, yeah. was I in the top 20%, 40%? Like, why? You know, I think – and then the thing, too, is, like, I think if you have a platform like that, in order to make it work, you have to be able to pay the judges for their time to be able to provide that feedback. Yeah. Um, well, and obviously, if in and at that point, if you did something like that, it requires a lot more for time, sure, for sure, uh, from the from the judges. Yeah, yeah, tons of time because I know Alex Noriega was telling me like that he uh, last year judged the International Landscape Photographer of the Year, and I think he said he got paid a dollar an image, but it was like. It was just to score it. It was nothing more than just scoring it. So yeah. it seems like you would have to like give like maybe like let's say it's twenty dollars for a submission. Like you'd have to give like five of that to each judge or something like that. Um, yeah. Or five of it split yeah. evenly among the judges or I don't know something because it's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun though. Yes, it really definitely fun. would. Yeah, I, I, and I, you know, I think even as a judge, even actually doing it the way I did the last time, uh, I think it helped me in all honesty. Because you, as you're looking through all these images that people are submitting, like you do, kind of see the common errors that people are putting out there, which in turn makes you kind of start to self reflect on your own images. And it's like, am I doing it right, right, as well? Right. Like, you know, because uh, I think that's part of it. Is like, um, you know, it's like you ever you know, if you teach something, you actually, the teacher, I think learns just as much as the students. Do. Absolutely. Uh, and I think the judging works the same way. It's like when you're culling through all these images that other people have submitted, uh, it actually makes you start reflecting on your own work and your own images. And then you see like some of them that are like freaking outrageously good. And you're like, man, this guy nailed it. I was like, 
you know, <laughs> I was like, I might can learn a thing or two yeah. from him, you know. And uh, not to um, like be be uh, belabor the point, uh, but uh, I also think it would be um, beneficial to have um, different categories that separated um, photos into, you know, like this. Like one category could just be like minimal manipulation in Photoshop or like very strict criteria. Yeah. And another one could be like anything goes, do whatever your heart's content and make it to where those images yeah. don't necessarily compete on the same, at the same level, because let's be honest, yeah. like, um, I don't know me personally, I'm a lot more impressed with an image that is closer to being straight out of the camera than not personally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am too. And it's becoming um, harder and harder to find that stuff nowadays. Um, yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's a good point, especially from the competition side of it. Cause it's like, you know, you have like, I, I consider myself a little bit more of a realist when sure. I shoot. Um, I try to do very, you know, we all process to some level. Um, but I try, like, if it's not there, I'm not adding it in. I'm not like Photoshopping a completely different sky and <laughs> right. like, uh, you know, but to me, it's like, if that's you, if that's what you do, then that's fine. That's your, that's your thing. Just tell people that's what yeah, you do. And as a, you know, just put it out a, there. And it's like, as a, a consumer, I, I want to be able to, uh, see this. I want to be able to look at images in those two different categories, uh, separately just yeah. because like I said, I feel like, um, it's kind of two different things a little bit. So. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. I think it's the difference between, um, uh, I, I do think that's actually a great point of it almost does need to be judged separately because there is a big difference between somebody who is trying to show a relatively accurate representation of their experience and what they saw and even do it in an artistic right. way opposed to somebody who's just literally creating to me, once you start Photoshopping stuff in and out, like that's digital art at that point. Um, and it just needs to be labeled and put, and it's still art. And, um, yeah, it still is. And it's still, there's nothing negative about it. It's not like, man, this is, you shouldn't do that. It's like, man, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you say up front, this is what we're doing. Like, you know, this is, this is something we have created out of whatever, uh, yeah, and I th and you again, could have uh, different to... judges for different categories too. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Oh, um, well, anyway. Uh, well, we're like kind good point. Good <laughs> kind point. of out of time, but um, <laughs> I wanted you to. Um, who would you recommend uh, for the podcast? Yeah, so I there's a good buddy of mine. Uh, his name is Alex Toto. Um, and it's just like, I'm assuming Toto, the dog, <laughs> T O T O. Okay. Um, he is based up in Philly actually. Um, and I would recommend reaching out to him because he's a phenomenal photographer. Um, I think his Instagram handle is actually at art underscore visuals underscore. Okay. Um, I would check him out. I would definitely recommend him. Um, yeah, he just, he's pumping out some fantastic work uh and he's a good guy i actually met him up at uh the uh, art expo up in new york the first year i was there and then the second year uh we ended up just sharing a booth together because we ended up striking up a friendship and he's a nice. cool dude so i would definitely check okay. him out cool and uh how can uh people find out about what you're up to 
Yeah, uh, Instagram is always a good way, and it's just at Adam Mowry Photo. Um, that last name is M O W E R Y. Everybody has a tendency to put an L in there for whatever reason. Uh, but it's Mowry, not Mallory. Um, and then my website is just adammowry.com. Cool. Uh, and anybody feel free to email me, direct message me. I'm happy to, to talk and answer questions. If people have questions, I'm, you know, I always like to help people if I can. Awesome. And yeah, and we'll put links to all that stuff in the liner notes and we'll also put a link to the pursue pictures competition as well absolutely i think it actually runs through december 6th so people definitely need to get their submissions in because twenty five hundred dollar cash prize for first places that's that's a pretty good little chunk of change yeah and this uh this podcast will go up um the day before thanksgiving so that's plenty of time for people to submit images absolutely Cool. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. It's been really fun talking to you about what you've been up to. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, enjoyed getting to know you. And hopefully, uh, next time out out in Colorado, we can uh, get to get get connected and uh, maybe go do some climbing. Sounds sounds good, dude. Awesome. Well, thanks to Adam for taking the time to visit with me on the podcast this week. Um, if you enjoyed this show, uh, go check out Adam's work and links to other things that we talked about over on my blog at mattpainphotography.com. And uh, thanks to MJ Wellman for their amazing five-star review over on iTunes. I really love reading those reviews. So thank you for everyone for uh, taking the time out of your schedule to write those quick reviews. It really does help. Um, This week, I want to ask you guys to do me a favor. Um, If you're on Instagram um, and the discussion that Adam and I had about uh, hashtag champion your peers resonated with you at all um i'd like to see you guys use that hashtag uh let's see what you can come up with to uh elevate other photographers in our industry um just be sure to tag me and adam or the podcast um when you post it and again it's hashtag champion your peers um feel free to drop me a line about the podcast anytime um suggestions ideas anything really uh best way to do that is to email me through my website um, or to hit me up on social media at Matt Payne Photo. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Talk to you soon.